Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Thanks, Dan, and uh, thanks, guys, for coming out. Those of you who heard me this morning and back for a double dose of Phil today, appreciate your loyalty. I'm going to read the Bible. This is Matthew uh, 16. Matthew 16, verse 13. Uh, When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. You are setting your mind on the things of God, but uh, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul?" what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you. We can be here in this place tonight. And we just want to pray that our eyes would be open to see the glory of Jesus and what he's done for us. And we need your Holy Spirit to do that work for us. So would you open uh, the eyes of our mind and our heart as we reflect together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I want you guys to think tonight about what's the most important question in the world for you guys to think about, for anyone. Is it Holden or Ford? What's the present I need to buy my girlfriend? How long is it till the next Star Wars movie comes out? How can I pass an exam I have with the minimum of study? Well, what's the most important question? The big question according to Jesus is this question we've read here. 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus, it's a who question. In three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you get Jesus stopping with his disciples halfway through uh, his ministry of three years with them. He stops them and he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And then he turns and he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? The who question is a vital question. I first remember realizing the power of the who question. I was about five years old and my older brother came to me one day and he said to me, Phil, do you know why it is that you've got brown hair? Your older sister Caroline, she's got brown hair. Your older brother Andrew, he's got brown hair. But me, I've got black hair. Do you know why that is? I said, no. He said, because I'm not your brother. I kidnapped your brother when he was a baby. And I substituted myself into his place. And now, I'm going to kidnap you. And I'm going to substitute my little brother in your place, in your family. And he stared at me with aggressive, big black eyes. And I looked up at him. And for just a few seconds, I thought, who is this guy? Who is this guy that I share a bedroom with and I go to school with each day and I play soccer with and he beats me up every afternoon like all good big brothers do? Who is he? Just for a second I thought, who is he? And of course, I, I was only five years old, so I did only think of that for one or two seconds because I already knew who he was. He was my brother and he was a bit of a moron and I already knew that and he was just proving it once again. Who? Are you, really? There's so many movies are built around this question, aren't they? Who is Darth Vader? I am your father, Luke. Right? It's the who question. Who is this Harry Potter kid? He's the kid who defeated Voldemort when he was a baby. Who is Batman? Who is Spider-Man? Who is Superman? Who is he? Halfway through Jesus' ministry, Jesus says, Who? Who do you think I am? Really? Who do people say that I am? The disciples say, Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Some people say Jeremiah. You're a prophet. One of the teachers. Today, if you ask people, Who do you think Jesus is? They'll give a variety of answers. They might say, Jesus, he's just a legend. Like Robin Hood. There was a guy called Jesus, but the stories about Jesus got bigger and better as the time went on. Just a legend. Some people say he's a fable. Some people say he's fiction. Some people say he's a con man. Some people, Muslims, say he's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He's a good man. Millions of Christians say that Jesus, he's the son of God. Jesus hits them up with a second question. Who do you say that I am? What's your opinion? Different question. It gets a bit more personal. You can easily say, who won the last federal election? Easy. Liberals won the last federal election. Whether you like that, whether you don't like it, that's a fact. Who did you vote for last election? Well, hang on a minute. None of your business. That's getting personal. 
Who do you think, who, who do people say that Jesus is? Well, lots of different answers. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you think he is really? Well, Christians say what Peter said. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Some people say it with a lot of conviction. That's who I believe Jesus is. Other people, they say it, you know, they don't say it with much thought. Oh, this is what I was taught at RE when I was a kid. You know, Jesus is the son of God. This is what my great uncle, who's a Methodist minister, this is what he taught me when I was a kid. You know, he's the son of God. This is what I learned in Sunday school. He's the son of God. This question, though, who is Jesus? It's not a question to be taken lightly. It's not an unimportant question. It's the most important question we'll ever consider. If you ever get married, well, that's a pretty big question, who you end up marrying. The person you spend the rest of your life with. You don't just uh, pick a name out of a hat for that decision, do you? It's a very important decision, who that person is. In our culture, it's so important, we don't let our parents choose. We say, I'm going to make that choice. In other people's culture, it's way too important a question to let the kids choose, the parents choose. Well, the Bible tells us that this question, who really is Jesus, is the most important question. It's even more important than who you will marry or even who is your family. Someone might say, really? Really? Does it really make all that much difference? Um, you know, does a religious, your religious viewpoint on what you say when you say, who is Jesus, does that really matter? I mean, there's plenty of nice people who believe in Jesus, but surely there's plenty of nice Hindus and they don't say that Jesus is the, the son of God. There's still a nice group of people. Uh, there's plenty of nice Buddhists, plenty of nice people who don't have any religion. Really, does it really matter? Well, the answer to that question is that Jesus makes unique claims. Every other religious leader deflected attention from themselves. And so Muhammad made it very clear, no, don't worship me, I'm only a prophet. I'm nobody special, I'm just the, the mouthpiece of Allah. Buddha said, no, I'm just the man, I'm just the wise man maybe, but I'm nobody really special, I'm just like you. Jesus' disciples, they specifically said, no, don't worship us, stop worshipping us, worship Jesus, not us. Even angels, that's what they say, they say, don't worship us, worship God only. But Jesus, he's different. Jesus, he is worshipped by people and he accepts their worship. And the testimony of the, of the Bible, the New Testament is clear that they keep on doing things and saying things about Jesus which can only be said of God. And they call Jesus God. And Jesus does things which only God can do. And he says things which only God really can say. People say, but still, does it really matter? Does it really matter what you say Jesus is? You know, if I'm a good person, if I try to be a nice person, do I really need Jesus? I mean... Yoga might make me a nice person. It might give me peace and balance in my life. It doesn't really matter what I believe about the doctrine, this, idea, this technical idea of who is Jesus. What if Buddhism and, and meditation brings peace into my life? Does it really matter my belief system about who Jesus is? 
What if Islam makes me a better person? Why do I need Jesus? Why is that important? Well, if that's your question, I think you're missing the importance still of the who question. The question is not what will make me a better person, whether it's some religion or philosophical viewpoint or lifestyle. The question is not what will make me a better person in the way I live. The question is who is Jesus? Because if Jesus is really God, then it doesn't matter what philosophical system you're playing with or method of trying to live a good life you're using, if he is God and he made you and he loves you, he's the most important person in the world. And just like my brother challenging me with whether I'm bro- his, really his brother sort of threw me and, 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 and made me think, is this guy really my brother? I've got to answer that question. It's pretty important. He's right here in my life. Is he my brother or not? If Jesus is God, then, and he and he's, wants to engage with us, then we need to drop everything and think about that. And there's one type of movie which keeps on getting made, uh, and that's time travel movies. They're constantly being churned out. There's a few from the last two years that have been made. Terminator, uh, Genesis, Tomorrowland, Parallels, Project Almanac, Interstellar, Edge of Tomorrow, Time Lapse, X-Men, Days of Future Past, Predestination, About Time. They just keep on coming out. Movies with the time travel idea. What makes time travel an interesting concept? Well, one of the things is the phenomenon of meeting somebody who you know, but you don't know them because they come to you from a different time period, either from uh, the future come back to you or maybe the past and they come forward. And you know this person, but you don't know them now. You sense something funny is about this person that you're meeting. You're trying to maybe figure out, it's sort of almost in the subconscious, but you can't just put it together. And so, for example, the movie 17 again, You get this guy who is about to be divorced and he travels back in time 20 years and he becomes a teenager again, 17 years old. And he goes around, uh, goes to his, his wife as a teenager, the age he was when he first met her, and you've just got this funny situation going on where he's desperately trying to prove himself to his wife that he is such a good guy and, and he's trying to look after his children who are his own age And his wife just can't work out why this teenager is reminding her so much of her husband. And she's trying not to fall in love with this 17-year-old. Another movie, Predestination, you've got this guy who keeps on bumping into different versions of himself in different time periods. And each time he meets himself, but he doesn't know it's himself, and he kind of senses there's something funny about this guy but he can't work out what it is. The Bible has got a similar concept. But it's someone who's coming to us, not from a different time period, but from outside time altogether. Someone enters into the history of our world, somebody who is incredibly close to us, somebody who is incredibly important for us, somebody who's closer than our mum or dad, Somebody who is closer than a brother or sister or best friend or spouse. The person is God. 
God comes to us into our history, into our world. And he knows us. He loves us incredibly. He knows our every thought. He knows our every mistake. And he loves us more than anybody else has ever loved us. And we should know him. But we don't. Or or maybe sometimes we sense him. He's familiar, but we don't recognize him. Jesus, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is God entered into our world, entered into human history, and he comes to us and he says, do you know who I am? Do you recognize me? I'm the God who made this world you live in, and I'm the God who gave you your soul. I'm the God who knows you inside out. I know your every thought. I know your every mistake. I'm behind all of this world. I've been guiding you through your troubles in life. You've been looking for me all your life, although you might not even know it. It's only me who can satisfy you. It's only my love which can satisfy you. It's me that you've been looking for. Do you know who I am? Do you recognize me? And when you do recognize who Jesus is, the only proper response is to drop everything and follow Jesus. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter sees him for who he is. The penny's dropped. His eyes are open. That's who you are, really. And Jesus comes back with this strange response. It's not strange for us because we know how the story ends. If you've heard anything about Jesus, you know how the story ends. Jesus is going to the the cross. But think of it from Peter's perspective. He's never, he, he, he doesn't know what's going to happen. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, you're right. And now, let's go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things from the Jewish leaders. I'm going to be killed. Third day, I'll I'll rise again. That's a strange thing to say. I'm the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, that's right. Now let's go and get killed. I mean, can you imagine Steve Smith becoming cricket captain of Australia and before the first test where he's captain, they bring a mic out and they interview him. What's your plans for taking the team forward in the new era, Steve? And he says, my plans? Well, I'm going to go out and bat first and a bouncer is going to come down and I'm going to offer no shot. I'm just going to take it on the helmet. I'll I'll fall to the pitch. I'll be taken off to hospital. That's my plan. That's a bizarre thing to say, isn't it? Jesus says, I am the Christ, the Son of God. Now let's go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to get killed. What's Jesus talking about? Peter says, that's ridiculous. How can you say such crazy things, Jesus? That's an impossible combination. The Son of God suffering and dying? Again, Jesus just stands out from everything else in our world here because this is so amazing, a truth that it just cannot be made up. It's unique. That God should not only become a man, enter into our human history, but that God should do something else, that God should go and experience death and then resurrection. See, God hasn't just entered our world to show us what he's like. He's entered our world to taste death for us. He's got a far deeper purpose 
His death is a sacrificial death. He comes, he takes the death that's due to all of us in our place. He takes the punishment for the things that you've messed up in your life, every single one of them. The mistakes you've made towards your parents, the mistakes you've made towards your friends, the mistakes, all of the mistakes you've made towards God. And Jesus takes the punishment so that he can release you from the punishment. This is the plan of God. So strange a plan. No, no person could have ever dreamed it up, made it up. Jesus is no ordinary man. He's, he, this is no ordinary death. The most famous death of history is the death of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's famous for a reason, because it's a sacrifice of the Son of God. His blood is so precious that his death is sufficient to pay for the sins of the entire world. That's the love of God for you and for me. And then Jesus makes his call to the crowds. Look at what he says. Where has it gone? There it is. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Once you realize who Jesus is and what he's done for you, then you hear his call. And this is Jesus' call. Jesus' call is, I love you. I've, I've come to save you. Now come and follow me. You've got, two, you've got two ways to live. You've got a choice. You can live for yourself, that is, save your life for yourself, in verse 25. But if you save it for yourself, you'll lose your life. Or else you can lose your life. That is... You hand it over. You give it to me. You deny yourself. You take up your cross and follow me. And if you do that, then you'll find your life. Jesus says your first option is you can live for yourself. You can save your life for yourself. You, your life can be about your career, your future, your life, your family, your possessions, your friends. It's all about you. That's the first way of living which you can choose, Jesus says. But if you do that, you'll lose your life. This week, there was an opinion piece in the paper about uh, Charlie Sheen uh, announcing that he has HIV. Uh, and this writer, this journalist, was commenting about this whole situation. And he says, we shouldn't be surprised that Charlie Sheen has HIV. This is a man who has partied hard, uh, reportedly spending $500,000 on drugs and prostitutes within a period of six months. But if you see there on the right, the writer says, we shouldn't be so quick to demonize Charlie Sheen. And he says, after all, if there is no God, then the only purpose in life we have is to be selfish there's no God, well, the only thing that matters ultimately is self, is me. That's my ultimate value, living for myself. And so that's how Charlie Sheen chose to do it, that party lifestyle. He was living for himself. That was his choice. There's no other ultimate to live for other than me. But then the writer goes on and talks about it and says, well, what about knowingly infecting other people with HIV as Sheen's had apparently done? 
Is that a bad thing to do? Well, yes, it is a bad idea. And you know why the writer says, when you take God out of the picture, as this writer just assumes, why is that a wrong thing to do? Because the only reason it might be wrong is because it might make other people turn around and hurt you in revenge. It's a bad idea because you wouldn't want to endanger your life. And so what does it come back to again? It comes back to selfishness. You don't hurt other people because they might hurt you and they might challenge your selfishness. The ultimate value without God only is selfishness. And some people live for themselves, like Charlie Sheen, by indulging on drugs and sex. Other people choose to indulge in more respectable pursuits, like their career or their achievements or their relationships. But ultimately, what is the key value? It's selfishness. It's all about you. Jesus says you've got two choices. You can live for yourself, but if you seek to save your life for yourself, ultimately you'll lose it because you're not the ultimate object in the universe. There is a God who loves you and has been seeking you and you were created to live not for yourself, but for him. So Jesus calls us to another way of life. Jesus enters our world as God in the flesh. Jesus calls us to stop living for ourselves. He calls us to another way in which we start, we stop living for ourselves. We see what, who Jesus is. We see what Jesus has done. We hand our lives over to him and we follow him as we were meant to live. I used to have a friend at school. His name was Brett. And Brett was um, a new Christian. He was a very keen Christian and he took things in the Bible really seriously. Uh, and so one of, the, one of his little things he, he got onto for a while was our need to be really generous and share possessions. So how this worked at school was he had this philosophy, when we had lunch, well, my lunch was his lunch, and his lunch was my lunch. And so we'd come out, we'd put our bags on the ground, and Brett would, wouldn't ask, he would just, if I wasn't watching, he would just stand up and go and help himself, look through my bag, pull out my lunch, and he would, he would always be polite about it and say, boy, your mom has done really well. Now, the problem with this was that my mom did awesome lunches. I'm surrounded by women in my life who just create awesome food. Uh, my mom and my wife, this is my lot in life. My mom made awesome lunches. Brett's mom, well, actually, he made his own lunches, peanut butter sandwiches. And so Brett would just help himself to my lunch. And sometimes he'd be kind and he would say, Phil, uh, did you want any of this orange? Because I'm almost finished. I've, I've left a quarter for you if you like. And he would sort of deliberately goad me to see if I was really generous, if I was re- really willing to share. Now, I was a tolerant sort of guy and I knew he was goading me to some degree. But when we got a little bit older, we got to the end of high school, we got our driver's licenses. And again, we had the same problem. Because my friend Brett, he drove his dad's car, which was a 15-year-old Honda Civic. And I drove my dad's car, which was a brand new V8 Holden Bellina. And man, I loved that car. And so did my dad. And Brett, he wanted to extend the same policy. And so we'd be driving along in his Honda Civic and he'd say, lots of times, hey, Phil, do you want to have a drive? Here, take the keys, have a drive. 
okay then. But then he'd want to get in my car. And he'd say, hey, Phil, can I have a drive? I'd say, no way. You are not driving my car. This car. There is no way in the wide, wide world. Truth was, Brett was a very confident driver, let's just say. But he had an accident when he was... He had a car accident when he was going to get his peas. Can you believe that? In his driving test, he, ha he, he has an accident in his car. And you think I'm going to let him take the wheel of my dad's Holden Berlin? No way. Well, you know what? When we meet Jesus, he interrupts our life. And he invites us to give to him, not just our lunch, not just our car, but our whole life. And we hand over, as it were, the keys of our life. We get out of the driving seat, as in we're not the driver in our life anymore. We say, Jesus, you come and sit in the driving seat of my life. You get out of the way. You give him the keys and you say, I'm surrendering. Wherever you want to go, that's where I'll go. You be this boss. You be in charge. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat from now on in my life. Why would you do that? Why would anyone do that? Because you realise who Jesus is. He's not a crummy driver who's going to mess up your life. He's your God. He's the one who died for you. There's a famous Christian, Charlie Studd, about 100 years ago. He played test cricket for, Austra uh, for England in the first Ashes series against Australia. Fabulously wealthy, fabulously talented. He became a Christian. He gave it all up. He spent his whole life as a missionary in China, India, and Africa. He founded one of the uh, most famous uh, uh, missions organizations, which still is uh, going today. How did he do that? Why would you do that? Can you imagine someone giving up test cricket today to be a missionary in China? Well, this is what he said. He said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. See, he saw who Jesus was. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then there's no greater sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice that's too great for me to make. Now, God is speaking. Uh, God has interrupted our world in the person of Jesus. He's entered history. But do you know also, God the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking into your life. He's there in your life, behind the scenes. He's trying to get your attention. He's been there through the rough times in your life. He's been there in the good times. He's wanting you to listen. And I'd suggest that God is speaking to you right now. We open our Bible. We read about Jesus. God is speaking to you right now. He's saying, who do you really say Jesus is? Who do you say that I am? He's calling you and inviting you to respond. To give your life to him, to stop living for self and say, okay, I'm going to stop that and now I'm going to live for Jesus. So if you've uh, never made a decision to follow Jesus in a significant way where you say, I'm now going to <coughs> stop living for the kingdom of self, and I'm going to live for Jesus because I realize who he is and I realize what he's done for me. <clears throat> I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer, which will come up on the screen. Uh, maybe you're not ready for that because you've got lots of questions. 
Um, if you've got lots of questions, well, that's fantastic. Uh, please make sure you share those questions because there's no new questions which nobody's ever thought of. Plenty of good questions which you might need to get sorted out. <coughs> but, um, guys, the reality is that there's many people who they just hide behind questions. And really, they know it's true. They need to make a response. Uh, and so can I encourage you, if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to make that response, why don't take this opportunity now? Why don't, say, why don't you say yes to Jesus? As God is speaking to you now, as we're in church, as we're listening and thinking about the Bible, God is speaking to you. He's saying, who do you say that I am? What's your life going to be about? Who's it going to be for? Is it about yourself? If you live for yourself, you'll lose it. If you live for me, you'll gain it. Who's it going to be? Make your decision. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian family and it's sort of all been there in your head, but you've never made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Well, why not do that tonight? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer that's up on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read it first, and then if you'd like to pray it in a significant way for yourself. Uh, I'm going to invite you to pray it along with me in your mind uh, as I pray it the second time. And we'll get everyone to shut their eyes. And if you'd like to pray that prayer, I'd like you to stick your hand up. And by sticking your hand up, what you're doing is you're saying, yes, this is really true for me, and I want to grab it. I want to reach out in faith to God and say, yes, please, God. Yes, please, God. Okay, so this is the prayer. I'm going to say it first. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray it with me if you'd like to for the first time. So this is the prayer. Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus. I realize who he is, the Son of God, the Lord of everything. I also realize who I am. I confess I'm a sinner living life for myself rather than for you. I'm sorry for this. I want to thank you that Jesus was willing to die in my place for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the dead to pay for my sins. Please forgive me and change my life from now on. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life from this point on. Amen. Please bow your, uh, bow your head and close your eyes. And uh, we're going to pray this prayer now. And if you'd like to pray, uh, pray it with me in a significant way for your first time tonight. Well, do that and uh, stick your hand in the air while you do that. Stick your hand and say, this is my night. This is my decision where I'm going to follow Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Just pray along in your mind with me as I pray this prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. I realize who he is, the Son of God, the Lord of everything. I also realize who I am. I confess I am a sinner, living life for myself rather than for you. I'm sorry for this. I want to thank you that Jesus was willing to die in my place for my sins. Thank you he rose from the dead to pay for my sins. Please forgive me and change my life from now on. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life from this point on. Amen. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. 
We worship you for who he is. And we just, uh, Lord, those of us who are Christians here, we do want to just turn our eyes upon him again and take up our crosses to follow him. So help us, Father, in this pathway of life which you've called us to. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.